nestled deep within the vast floodplains, three stone pavilions still stand strong, decades after the inevitable sea rise. These ruins once held vast crowds of people from around the world engaging in conversation, all around a cup of tea. It was not all that long ago when people would arrive by foot, coming together to debate, conversate, orate, or whisper. As the water rose over the bank, the approach was done by boat. But after the pandemic, the docked boats, which kept this forum alive, have all vanished. It has been a long time since the voices of people echoed through these pavilions. The water was still and a little murky, but one could discern thousands of broken pieces of forgotten porcelain cups under the shallow layer of silt that had settled over time. My oars had pushed away the silt and revealed the fragments of white chinaware. It was as if I had left a trail for someone to follow me here. Up above, the sandstone roofs have been filtering the rainwater all this time in the hopes that one day its clean water will be served as tea. I keep visiting here. I light a fire to heat the water. Just as I lit the flame, a soft breeze carried the gray smoke, and along with that, my hopes that it will be seen by another wandering soul. I'm Nina Friedman, and this is Wearing. Wearing explores where we are. It is dedicated to those who believe in the inherent right of belonging and all the ways we feel we belong and connect to ourselves, to each other, and the spaces that hold the stories where all of this comes alive, where each experience of belonging is a work of art, created by chance or by design. Dare I ask, is belonging where you are not what matters most? Wearing is the spatial story. Welcome. A storyteller and master artisan of pencil drawings, Clement Luke Lorenzio is a recent graduate of the Bartlett School of Architecture, University College, London. His surreal poetic drawings capture the dreams, inventions, memories, and flashbacks of places he has lived, visited, and cherished. He calls them spatial fictions. He says they are an invitation for the viewer to wander and pause in his timeless labyrinth. He probes the question, how is the dwelling a place of reverie and protection for the dreamer? His work, which has won numerous awards, depicts themes of the pandemic, loss of connection, forced enclosure, and fantasies of the future and past. When I came across his work, I was struck by the depth of his imagination and skill. He is only at the beginning. The drawings that we will be speaking about will be posted on my website, thewearing.com. These drawings, plus a range of other works, can also be seen on the website of Clement. And that website is clementlukelorencio.com. Clement, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's really my pleasure. Tell us about your origins and your pathways. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nina. So I'm Filipino. Both my parents are from the Philippines. And about 30 years ago, they moved to France. And I was born in the south of France. I grew up here ever since, really, from Nice to Paris, and then from Paris to a small town next to Geneva, Switzerland, a peaceful town nestled within the mountains. From there, I did my Bachelor of Architecture in the UK at the University of Nottingham because it was more directed towards the creative artistic side. After doing that, I went on to work for Bernard Trini Architects in New York to have a different perspective of architecture and the scene there. I then returned and worked for a smaller firm in Geneva, so right next door. The usual course after that is to do the master's, and I did my master's of architecture at the Bartlett School of Architecture in UCL in London. Around that time, summer 2020, the pandemic cast its net wide. So for me, it was more of a chance to come back home, to have a moment of pause at least, because I'm, I'm sure you know the life of architecture is quite a busy one. And I felt it was a good chance to think things through and see what it was that really attracted me to architecture in the first place. So yes. that's been my journey so far. Yes, that's interesting that you say that. One imagines that the choices are always absolute, but yeah. I have found that over the years, that question keeps reappearing because we change. Are you sitting now near that small town near Geneva? I am at the moment. Clement, what is home and where do you belong? That's a very profound question. Home is, I think, first and foremost, a shelter for me. And not only in the sense of the physical aspects of it, a ceiling, a wall, warmth. It's a place where the people who you love are. And I've always felt it difficult to define where is home, whether it was in New York or whether it was in France or whether it's in the Philippines. For me, it's definitely where my family is. That's where I feel I can always say I'm going home. So it's not only shelter, but also emotional shelter and this place where you can really just be yourself, I suppose. Yes, it's completely. It's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when one is a person that has lived in many places and mm -hmm. may continue to mm -hmm. do so. Claire, your drawings transported me to a time when we worked by hand. And when mm -hmm. I was at the Architectural Association, the craft, mm -hmm. the art, the poetry of the drawing was simply what was expected. They were masterpieces. Mm -hmm all over the walls. I have nostalgia about that time. And I miss the smell of graphite and my fingers getting black. And even afterwards, you know, drawing with pencil and ink, everyone in my generation has a raised area on the side of the finger from that mm. time, you can tell. And you probably have that as well. But even when I think about that time, I can't even remember drawings at the AA that were as beautiful as the ones that you're doing. Can you tell us why you work this way? Because you must certainly be alone in your generation doing it. Well, thank you very much, Nina. It's, it's very funny that you say nostalgic, because even though 
my career in architecture is fairly recent. I, I too have this nostalgia for these older drawings that I inevitably look back to. Drawings by Peter Wilson, Bernard Chumi, mm. even Zaha Hadid's drawings back at the A, of course. I was more focused on the artistic side. So in that sense, gravitating towards the pencil, the crayons, the pastels, and, and all these fabulous materials that you have to work with your hands. I think partly because my skill set isn't as good, maybe, for my digital skills. But I just learned to keep the pencil as part of my arsenal. Part of that is because it's very difficult for me to communicate, like you said, the atmosphere and the craft of the design through the digital means. And I was lucky to keep the pencil as part of the, the whole design process until the final images. Well, kudos to your tutors as well. <laughs> Thank you. Who mm -hmm. allowed you to keep that determination for that process without forcing you to change it into digital deliverables. <laughs> Absolutely. And just very quickly, I think that's a really important point because the pace of design is extremely fast that it's almost difficult to keep up just using the pencil. I had to find a way to, to hybridize digital means with the pencil sketch. It's a, definitely a balance. Yes. Yeah. The amount you're expected to produce is enormous. I know that. <laughs> Clem, recently I interviewed a humanist geographer. His name is Yifu Tuan. He's about 90 years old now. And wow. he has Amazing. written lots of books. And one of the books that he wrote was called Space and Place. He defines space as movement and place as pause. He said that we are attached to one, but we long for the other. When I see your work, I feel that it embodies space and place together because there's restlessness and continuous movement of exploring these various places and memories. Also, there's a pause where you are inviting the viewers to inhabit it, but it's also your process, the rhythmic repetition of the pencil strokes. It's meditative and calming, right? Absolutely, and, and you took the words right out of my mouth. We just talked about the pacing of these architectural projects, and I think that's a thing that we almost forget for a lot of us. We just want a moment of pause. I, I was lucky enough to find in the drawing process itself that moment of pause for me, that reverie, that escapism. I would totally agree with this idea of space and place in that it is a bit of a choreography between movement and pause. I think the drawing, in, in particular, the Pavilions for Conversation drawings, many of those spaces are spaces in ruin, but they're also spaces of pause and contemplation, a place where people themselves, as they're looking at the drawings, can feel a sense of, of pause themselves. And conversely, the Memory Palace drawing is a bit more of a cacophonic experience of these spatial memories that I imagined. But at the same time, as I was drawing it, there were moments of pause in a lot of my drawings. I don't put lots of people in. It's this idea of letting the viewer project themselves within that place of the drawing. So then they can move around without being rushed by the people who, if I drew them in, would give that sense of rush. So it's a bit of both where I do try to give the viewer the space to move 
and wander around and, and to also pause within those places. You're actually raising an interesting point for me to consider. You're right. When one puts people in a drawing, it then changes the drawing to something that's seen from the outside. We are looking at it. Mm-hmm. And without people, would I enter it differently? And on that point, this issue of scale, I think that's also something that Yohani Palazma talks about a lot of in his lectures and in his books is the scale of the drawing as well. And by drawing, I mean the, the piece of paper and the pencil, the analog hand drawing. We talked about this rush of students going into the digital means sometimes scale gets quite abstract in that one could easily zoom into these drawings through digital means. So even through the iPad, one could easily pinch and enter and inhabit that space differently. But Mm -hmm. that connection with the hand drawing is that the scale remains constant vis-a-vis my own body. What I'm drawing has a direct correspondence to the tactility of the body or to the hand that's drawing it. I think that's a big aspect of hand drawing that gets overlooked, this idea of the body of the one who draws it and understanding the scale of what they're drawing in relation to their own body. Right. In terms of the process of the artist or the architect, for me, looking at your drawings, because they were uploaded onto the computer, I actually did zoom in (laughs) quite a lot (laughs) to see Mm -hmm. the details. So that mm-hmm. process still exists, even though you've done a pencil drawing. Absolutely. I am speaking with Clement Luke Lorenzio, a young architectural artist whose pencil drawings unfold surreal, poetic memories of places near and far. You call your work spatial fictions. And your drawings collage moments and experiences and places and fragments of time. You're also a storyteller. So with each drawing, what's fascinating to me is that combination of the story and the drawing, which is magical and dreamy, and I would say even romantic. In the time that we have, I'd like to talk about three of your artworks. Let's begin with one that you just referenced, which is the Pavilion for Conversation. Can you tell us about that drawing and its story? The Pavilions for Conversations drawings came about from a project that I was doing for my master's in my fourth year at the Barlow School of Architecture. What's quite interesting with storytelling is that its meaning can change or evolve as time passes. So the Pavilions for Conversations are essentially set in this floodplain in the future and shelters away from the rain and and potential future sea level rise. And it became this place where people of very different walks of life would come together and have a conversation that centered around a, a cup of tea. And tea as a bridge to communication arose because the project initially was set in Barking in England. And Barking was the link of the new Silk Road linking China all the way to Barking, England. That's where the tea ceremony as a way of communication and an act of diplomacy started. Anyways, these stone pavilions became the center of a place where people would have a conversation, come together and really pause. I think the reason why they were made out of stone is because it 
It reminded me very much of this very primal aspect of gathering around a campfire or staying within the shelter of the cave and being around a fire and a warmth and the elements. Then I was thinking about permanence and this place which would facilitate conversation or shelter for anyone who would stumble upon this place. So it's really centered around gathering, shelter, and the elements. Just reducing it down to the cup of tea is so interesting to me because mm. from my memory, also living in England, it's so symbolic, mm. the cup of tea. It's not just something to drink. When someone says to you, would you like to have a cup of tea? What it means, mm -hmm. what they're saying is, I want to talk to you. Indeed, yeah. You know, you talked about the fire pit. People, the way they hold mm -hmm. that cup of tea, particularly in the winter, it's the warming device. Absolutely. I think it goes back to our more primal instincts, but also to what makes us feel like a shelter. It's not just a roof over our heads, but it's also the hearth and then this fire. The cup of tea became the, the hearth, not only for shelter, but also for conversation, which I think was the biggest glued to the project, coming together for a cup of tea. Yeah. And I think I even noticed that the form of the teapot was retranslated in various mm. ways into the drawing. Yes, each pavilion dealt with its own manner of conversation. One was for debate, one was for oration, one was for you know, whispers. So mm. di different typologies of building types and building sizes for different types of conversations. The teapot in the debate chamber was large enough and had to be poured with the two people as a way of cooperation. Beautiful. Up above, the sandstone roofs have been filtering the rainwater all this time in the hopes that one day its clean water will be served as tea. I keep visiting here. I light a fire to heat the water. Just as I lit the flame, a soft breeze carried the gray smoke, and along with that, my hopes that it will be seen by another wandering soul. I think a number of the pieces are very much pandemic pieces. This one is referencing quite a few things, the lost conversation, mm -hmm. lost contact. But it's also a very hopeful piece. You're waiting at the end. There's this sense that people will arrive by boat soon. Absolutely. And it's quite funny because the, the project was conceived the year before, so COVID hadn't really happened yet. But I think with stories, and especially with drawings, is that they can live a different life through the storytelling. That's something that we should also consider is that the, the life of the drawings can also shift and change depending on the times. And in this case, not in terms of adding to it in terms of the pencil, but in adding to the story of the drawings through the written words. So the pavilion, you did that before the pandemic? Yes. Wow, the premonition. In your two works, Memory Palace, and mm -hmm. also apartment number five, yes. you write about the frozen daydream. They were, I think, both pandemic works. And they seem to ask the question, if the experiences are gone, 
how might we recreate the places we've been that already lives in us saying, this is what I remember. This is what I want to remember, right? Can you speak about mm -hmm. these works and what you were thinking about when you were creating them? Absolutely. And absolutely right, Nina, I'm saying that these drawings came from the, the situation of the pandemic. And apartment number five came first around March of 2020. That was around the first lockdown in, in the UK. This was also my project for my fifth year at the Bartlett uh, School of Architecture. And during the pandemic? During the pandemic, yes, in this situation of not being able to travel or being stuck within our own dwellings. What is apartment number five? Is that the number of your apartment? That, that's exactly right. I'm not there anymore. But uh, yeah, it was a very personal project for me. The thinking around this apartment number five is that I was also interested in the Son Museum. When he curated his own dwelling with all these beautiful artifacts from the ancient past. When you visit it, it's almost as if you go on a journey through time. And all these artifacts have their own imbued memories, whether it's the people who visit there. But I was more interested in, in this idea for the layperson, for everyone within the lockdown, of how does the apartment or the place where they're staying react to this notion of being stuck at home. And Part of that was this inability to, to go outside or to go back to those places of your childhood or being locked in a place forcefully. The way I was thinking of the dwelling was in this poetic sense and, and like you said, romantic sense, especially when reading Gaston Bachelard, how the dwelling or the home becomes a place of reverie and protection for the dreamer or for ourselves. Mm. And I was lucky enough to go to India the couple months before the lockdown. We had this opportunity to see Louis Kahn, we saw Le Corbusier, we saw Doshi's Sangha. It was a first time visiting those places, but also a different country in general. So that's where these moments of flashbacks were quite vivid for me when drawing the, the apartment number five drawings. And I was thinking of ways in which I could spatialize these flashbacks to visualize these memories within my own apartment, I suppose. Yeah. So that's the story of how the apartment number five drawings came about. In a way, your drawing is a way of traveling. Indeed it is, not only for myself, but also for the viewer to meander through the drawings. With architectural drawings, we are drawing spaces. They beckon to be inhabited by the viewer. It's an invitation Hidden away from the prying eyes of the outside, an entire world exists, a secret known only to me. One day, as I made my way to the washroom, I found myself transported for a moment. I thought I was walking through the sunken and dim spaces of the stepwells in Ahmedabab. Another time, I found my hands slowly running across the smooth, warm-kissed tiles of Doshi's Sangat roofs. Memories of my recent voyage to India. Hallways stretched endlessly. Stepwells delved deeper. Even the mild wind has turned into a breeze, so gentle it felt like velvet. The drawing of time. That's what you're doing. 
Yes. So it, it's not so much representing time through the drawing, but creating the experience of the viewer to be aware of time somehow. It's almost like you're taking these miniaturized little spaces and worlds and they're another form of photograph that you are collaging together. But because you're collaging it together, they have different adjacencies <laughs> to each other, reshaping the narrative. You're mm -hmm. distorting them. Some are seen from the side, some are seen from the top, some are flipped, some are mirrored. Also, the objects in the spaces are scaled differently, like the cup can be as big as the door. There are clocks and pianos, surreal. Absolutely. Just as we were talking about putting people within the drawings before, I have wine glasses and mugs, desks, and uh, crumpled paper on the floor, door handles and doors. The, the objects became the reference for the people to scale themselves within the drawing. I think part of this shift in scale was also trying to emulate these memories. Because in addition to them not being sequential or anachronistic, meaning that different moments appear at different times. They're not necessarily in order, but also the scale or the intensity of these memories shift in some way or another. The white porcelain tiles on the, the Sangath by Doshi had a strong atmospheric weight in my memory, so I scaled those up in the drawing. It, it had to do with the intensity of the, the memory and what I want people to experience or to look at. At the same time, they become universal symbols. The mug of coffee fits in the palm of the hand. The shift in scale isn't necessarily making the objects bigger. It's putting the viewer back into the architectural drawing in terms of scale. Do your drawings have a relationship to film? Ah, that's a really great question. They were definitely inspired by films. Maybe not explicitly, but subliminally. When I think about films that mark me, I always look towards... Andrei Tarkovsky, David Lynch, their films have a gritty texture. I think that's why w when people watch those films, they feel that some of the scenes stand out more than others because in filming a lot of the textures of these scenes, people inhabit that atmosphere through their own experiences. It's really how Yohani Palazma talks about it in one of his books, The Empathetic Image. And that's how we can relate as people uh, and as human beings through atmospheres, through the breeze that's passing through, through the warmth of a fire or through the coldness of rain. These elemental aspects and th these textures which appear in Tarkovsky's film and David Lynch and all these other great cinematographers, I'm trying to emulate or I'm trying to give a sense of texture and atmosphere within the drawings themselves. So then that way, this connection between the viewer and the drawing is much more profound. Because architecture and architectural drawings tends to become simply representative, I feel the emotive part of a building or a space or an experience should also come through. So that's where the inspiration from, from film would come. Very beautifully said. And in the Memory Palace, you also have a lot of objects. The Memory Palace was really a chance for me to really take time and, and to let the drawing and the ideas breathe. When you talked about the apartment number five drawings, you said some moments appear next to others or some spaces are juxtaposed. And I think that idea 
led on in the memory palace drawings beyond my memories from India and that apartment. It reached further back into my past. So it was really about drawing these flashbacks, these spatial memories within the memory palace drawing. Sometimes a space was left blank. I realized that one of the spaces reminded me of another place I inhabited. It became a daydream in itself within the process. For many of us, drawing has become meditative where we can truly pause and let our minds wander. This piece is really this long daydream that I would come back to every night. It also touches on this idea of unfinished work because I'm not sure that the drawing is meant to be finished. I think they evolve over time. These memories place the, the groundwork for future memories. The story of Memory Palace. I pulled my desk lamp closer and closed my eyes. I found myself standing at the edge of the hillside town of Modena. After some time, I moved away from the cliff and ventured through Modena's hidden alleyways, wandering through the quiet labyrinth streets. It was now sweltering hot. Looking for shade, I passed through a series of passages and covered staircases. Moving through the cascading maze, I found myself in Geneva's old town, which resembled the Italian labyrinth. I felt myself being transported from one place to another, to times dating back to months and years ago, though not in order. The delicate and familiar moldings of the Eglise Saint-Augustine from my childhood in Paris appeared next to the ornate corner of the Manila Metropolitan Theater. Grand Central Station clock stood next to the Parisian lampposts I used to climb as a child. Vivid flashbacks. Some places I have dwelled in for years where I could remember every scar and texture. Others I have only seen at a glance. All have left a deep imprint I had traveled through times and spaces past, like watching a reel of places that were so familiar to me. I went on a promenade along my memories, a daydream. In closing, I want to repeat to our listeners that three drawings we talked about will be posted on my website, thewearing.com. But if you want more information, these drawings plus a range of other works can be seen on the website of Clement. And that website is clementlucelorencio.com. And that link will also be posted with Clement's bio on my website. Clement, have incredible talent. And I hope that you go far. Thank you so much, Nina. I hope you realize your dreams. And I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Nina. It was a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Dear listeners, thank you for being here. I invite you to reflect on what you've heard today and send your thoughts or stories. We would love to hear from you. Stay in touch on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, thewearing.com. Subscribe free to Wearing wherever you get your podcasts so that you are alerted when the next episode airs. 
Wearing is a pro bono initiative of Dreamland Creative Projects, which provides architectural and interior design services for the places where we live, heal, age, and inspire. If you wish to have a design consultation, visit dreamlandcreativeprojects.com or email me, nina at dreamlandcreativeprojects.com. Until we meet again, goodbye from Waring.